I have been famous in my family for being a little bit accident prone. There, uh, there have been many, many times where I work on a project, and lo and behold, I am bleeding somewhere. It's not always my fault, okay? Things have sharp edges. I don't know. You know, you, you're working on stuff, you're in the zone. It's not always my fault. But generally speaking, if there's any kind of project that involves directions, tools, I have a tendency to bleed. And uh, so I, I keep thinking I need to get stock in Band-Aid because I have probably kept them in business. I mean, I'm looking here at this scar. Anybody else have a scar out there? This is a scar where I was trying to figure out how to solder. Turns out when you heat up metal and it's on your skin, it hurts. So I discovered that. Band-Aid really didn't help me on that one. But because I'm so accident-prone and uh, in my life, I have really seen the power of the human body to heal. It's pretty amazing to me that you could have a pretty serious wound, and through taking care of it, it the body does some cool things. And, and, and the fact that, that you could have, yeah, it's a huge gash... And then the body can kind of do its thing. It's, to me, it's amazing. If I were a doctor, I think I would be constantly just in awe of what the human body is able to do. And, uh, and maybe you have experienced some, some healing in your body. Maybe you're, you're accident prone like me, where you'll work on a project. Anybody else, you just find you're bleeding somewhere? Okay, a few of us, we could form a support group later. It'll be, be good. Uh, anybody out there got, got a scar or two? Yeah, most everybody. How, how, anybody in this room feel like in, online we see you, hello, uh, you, you got to count your scars too. How, how many scars do you think you got? You think you got the most scars in the room. Who thinks they got the most scars in the room? Anybody brave enough to, to venture to say? I have quite a few. We could, we could have a little contest. Online, just type that in. How many scars do you have? Who, who thinks in the room you have the greatest scar? Okay, a few of you. Okay. Oh, there's a con- there's, I don't know, there's a contest here. I, we may have to do a, a match. Nobody needs to, don't show your scar, please. Let's not go that route. But we've all kind of experienced some of that healing, the human body. And, and, and by the way, uh, we have some medical professionals, even in our church. And let's just give a round of applause real quick for the medical professionals. Hey, they do good work. Yeah, first responders, I uh, appreciate all y'all. It's been a crazy couple of years. And, uh, but medical professions, they, they, they see this every day. And uh, yes, there's great medicine, no doubt. There's great surgeons. There's, certainly, yes, we're, we're fans of medical science, aren't we? But it's pretty amazing to see what the body can do. And, uh, and we are talking about the fact that we have a God who loves to heal. And he designed the human body to do some healing, but he also is a God that wants to do miracles. I believe, and we've been talking about this, we, we kicked off the series last week, the miracle series, because I think there's, there's still room for God to do some miracles in your life, in my life, in our church family. And I think there are miracles all around, and we're just not noticing half the time. I think we get so busy and wrapped up in stuff. And many of us, we're not tracking sometimes even the things we pray over. In fact, I would encourage you to start journaling, journaling a little bit. Because it's amazing to look back and see what God did. Sometimes we have prayed for big stuff and God's delivered. And we never even gave him the credit. Can you believe that? 
We say we're, we're, we're Jesus followers, and sometimes we ignore the great things that he does. And we're, we're going to be talking about Jesus being a healer, because in, in the New Testament, that's the, the most common type of miracle that we see recorded. I think probably because they had that big personal impact for people. So you see a lot of the miracles of Jesus recorded that are of this sort of nature, the healing sort of nature. But what we're, what we're trying to do in the series is ask the question, is there a miracle in your life that you need Jesus to show up for? Is there something big in your life? And maybe it's, I don't know where you're at, maybe it's, it's a relationship, maybe it's some health stuff. Maybe it's a career thing. Maybe it's a, I don't know what it is in your life. But, but, but you may discover that, you know what, I, I need Jesus to show up. And so we, we're, we're trying to ask in this series, what is that big thing that you really need a miracle on? Because I, I really believe that Jesus is still doing miracles all the time. And maybe, maybe he's got one for you. Remember last week we talked about how, depending on which scholar you ask, there's about 37 recorded miracles in the, in the New Testament by Jesus. And so we ask in that, that week one, well, well, maybe your miracle's number 38. Maybe you need to be asking for what that miracle is for your life. And that's what we, we hope in this series, that you'll be asking those big questions of the Lord. And what, what do you need from the Lord today? I'm glad you're here. I'm Pastor Ben. Glad you're here, whether that be online or in person. We see you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We gather like this, like Christ followers all over the globe. We do it on a Sunday morning because that's the first day of the week. And that was also the day that Jesus' disciples went to the tomb. And, the, and, and guess what? They found that tomb empty. Changed human history forever. And our, our hearts too. So that's why we gather like this, to lift up the name of Jesus on the first day of the week. Let's pause for a word of prayer and let's talk about Jesus, the healer. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love, your faithfulness, your mercies are new. And Lord, we lean in today that you would, 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 would touch our lives with, with, with a miracle today. And Father, we have uh, all kinds of, uh, of, of, of weeks uh, represented here. We've had good day, days and bad days, but Father, we know that, that you love us so much and you still want to do the powerful thing in our lives. So Father, help us to, to, to believe that you can do it and to trust you because you're good. And so Father, speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit today as we gather in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a, a Bible or a device... Uh, open up to Mark chapter 1. If you're not familiar with the, the book of Mark, it's uh, one of the shorter Gospels, and about 16 chapters. And it's a Gospel that moves fast. A lot of scholars think that this particular camera angle on Jesus' life was probably for more Roman, uh, Roman people of Roman descent. It, it was probably written in a way to help uh, people who, who really didn't know the Jewish uh, stories help them understand what Jesus uh, did. So Mark is very action oriented, and a lot of times we said this. In, I learned this in Bible college that there's a phrase that often Mark uses, which is uh, depending on your version of Scripture, straight away or immediately. And so we get to Mark chapter one today. We're going to read about some healings, starting with verse 29. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Uh, your version might be slightly different, but that's okay. Let's start with verse 29. Let's just read it down, and immediately. There it is. There's the word. And immediately he, that is Jesus, left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Kind of his inner group, if you will, of the disciples. Verse 30. Now, now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately, there's that word again, immediately 
They told him, that is told Jesus, about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they, they, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. The whole city now is at the house where Jesus is doing these healings. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he, he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Interesting thing there about some spiritual warfare going on with demons. And there's a lot of things I don't understand about this. I think there was more sort of de- demonic activity prior to the cross, but I haven't fully formed this in my head yet. So it's an area of study for me. But it's interesting how there was some spiritual warfare going on, and, uh, and Jesus commanded that as well. Now listen to verse 35. In rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went to a, des- a desolate place, and there he prayed. He needed a break, right? Jesus needed a break. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, <laughs> that's why, that I might preach there also, for that's why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now I want to just pause there for a moment. This, this life and work of Jesus. Here he is with his disciples, and he leaves the synagogue, and oftentimes Jesus would start there. He would start in the synagogues, and even some of the early church leaders, they would start at the synagogue, because our Bible is a very Jewish Bible. Did you know that? And our Savior was a very Jewish rabbi, so it makes sense that he would spend time in the synagogues, and he leaves the synagogue and goes, and and it turns out it's Simon's mother-in-law. So that begs the question, was Simon married? Well, there's, a, there's good scholarship that thinks that actually Simon might have been the oldest of the group of teenagers known as the disciples. Because usually a rabbi, when they're calling kids to join, they were generally younger. And so there's a good chance that Peter was maybe 18, 19, 20, whatever marrying age was. And so they think maybe he, was, he might have been the, the oldest in the group. And so, so they're there and, and there's a healing that takes place. We find that Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law by taking his hand, touching her, and raising her up. Very personal, this Jesus guy. He grabs her hand and and lifts her up. That's an interesting way to do that. And and so he heals her, and then the whole town comes out. We think it's Capernaum, I think, here. And so the whole town comes out, and they hear about this Jesus healer guy, and they're bringing everybody. That must have been a big day. That must have been pretty exhausting. And, and so he's, 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 he's probably laying on hands and he's casting out demons and saying, you know, be quiet, you demon, and doing all these kind of big things. And then it says, in the middle of the night, what does he do? He kind of gets up while it's still dark and he needs some downtime. And so he goes off and he's praying and probably thinking about the day and all that. And it doesn't sound like he got too much time because who's looking for him? The disciples. And here's Simon Peter. Hey, where are you? Everybody's looking for you. We got a good thing going. This thing's going viral. We got to get this thing uh, published. Come on. And, uh, and Jesus is like, well, let's, let's go to some other towns. 
Let's not go back to Capernaum right now. Let's go to other towns. And, and it says that he went throughout the whole region and he's doing amazing things. He's, he's healing and, and casting out demons. Now, I paused right before another story of healing. And if you saw in your Bible, there's a healing that Jesus does with someone who has a skin disease. Now, your Bibles might say leprosy. We're not sure if it's actual leprosy. Uh, there was kind of a generic term for those sorts of, uh, of ailments. Uh, but regardless, if someone had a skin disease, remember, this is a, this is a very Jewish uh, place in, in the world, in ancient, ancient world. If you had a disease, that meant you were unclean. And so the, the, the law would say that you couldn't, you couldn't go to church. Uh, you, you probably had to separate yourself from family and friends. Uh, until such time as this, this would be healed somehow, uh, you were kind of separated. And, uh, and generally speaking, the religious leaders wouldn't touch people that were unclean with a 10-foot pole. Because again, that would make them unclean, and then they couldn't do their work, and it was a kind of a, a fiasco. So I paused right before that story because Jesus does something pretty extraordinary for a rabbi. So if you still have your Bibles open, just take a glance at, pick it up in, in, in verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand. A rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, stretching out his hand to someone who is unclean. You didn't do that. But this isn't just some ordinary rabbi, is it? He reaches out his hand. The scriptures say, stretched out his hand and touched him. And said to him, I will be clean. And immediately, there's that word again. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. So normally, in the Bible, when it talks about clean and unclean things, normally if you touch something that was unclean, what did that transfer to you? Now you are unclean. And here's Jesus turning the world upside down. Because here's Jesus touching an unclean person. And instead of the unclean going this way, the cleaning went that way. Isn't that cool? The cleaning, that was, that was unheard of. The cleaning went that way. This guy was healed. Can you imagine the last time this guy had anybody touching him? That's rough. I mean, you go without a hug for a while, what does that feel like? This guy had been ostracized. He couldn't be around his family. He, could, he couldn't go to church. You know, he couldn't go to synagogue. Was, you know, again, Jewish, they would have gone to synagogue. Couldn't go to temple. And if he's a Jewish man, there were three really important festivals you were supposed to go to Jerusalem for. Couldn't do any of that. How isolated and lonely was this guy? Pretty gutsy move to make an approach to Jesus the rabbi. That's pretty gutsy. Remember, you're, you're kind of supposed to call out, hey, everybody, I've got a disease. Don't get, get near me because you didn't want other people, again, to, to get unclean because they were near you. And Jesus does something radical. And he touches someone with leprosy. If you touch someone with a skin disease, there's a chance you're going to get something. 
All of those things kind of play in your head, right? And he transfers his clean to an unclean person. That is, that is pretty game changer. Jesus would do these things. If you, if you look at the, the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, we, we, we kind of say around here, those are kind of like the, the, the biographies, if you will, of Jesus. And they come from different angles. There's different uh, kind of, I don't know, literary types there, different writers, different camera angles on things. If you look at all four, and as they talk about these miracles, you'll notice something. And that is, and I, maybe I'll just ask the question, see what you know. Did Jesus need to be physically near to heal anybody? No. But what we often find is he, he kind of prefers the hands-on approach. He kind of prefers the hands-on approach. This is it's kind of oddly like personal, isn't it? It's, it's almost intimate that he wants to, he wants to touch. He, he was he's a hands-on savior. He could heal from miles away. And that happened. We see that in, in the New Testament. He's, he's healing people that aren't even near. In fact, Jesus would heal people even when they don't ask. He, he, would, he could heal people who may not even have the faith to ask. They're just too afraid to ask. Jesus would sometimes do these things, but he preferred the hands-on approach. So what does that mean, Ben? He intentionally did that. He would intentionally do that. And again, he's transferring all of his goodness right there. And people felt it. In fact, I don't know what that felt like. But clearly there was an exchange of something powerful. There was maybe energy? I don't know. Have you ever thought about this? Like, what did it feel like to have a touch of Jesus? And what did these people do later? Can you imagine telling the story? Telling the story later of, well, I, I didn't even really know the guy. You know? Uh, I heard he was just this, this traveling rabbi, and you know I never made the cut to be a rabbi disciple, so I, I was never part of that group. And but Jesus came, and he came to my town, and uh, and and I got a healing touch from him. What did that What did that feel like? I don't know, but Jesus tended to be hands on. I love how Jesus would heal people that had some physical ailments, like people who were deaf. And what we often find is Jesus touching their ears. I mean, imagine being deaf. Or let's, let's try this. When people were blind, he would, he would touch their eyes. Now, close your eyes for a minute, if you, if you don't mind. Just, and then and just put your, your, your fingers on your eyes when they're closed. And he, would, he would touch these eyeballs. The, the designer, the creator of the universe designed these eyeballs, but for the, these blind folks, they weren't working. And he touched their eyes. Can you imagine opening then your eyes and seeing color for the first time? And seeing Jesus there, you didn't even know what he looked like. He, he would touch their eyes. Sometimes he would, he, would, he would even make like mud. And one time he put like mud on just this very physical. Did he need to do that? What is he doing there? He's, it's so, you know what I mean? It, it feels so personal, right? It feels so I don't know, intimate. It's, it's like God actually likes you. And he likes me. And he, he'd like to, like to say, hey, his hands. I mean, it's just something powerful about that. He would do this over and over again. Again, did he need to? No. He could just speak. 
He's the God of the universe, folks. He spoke stuff into being. He spoke matter into being. But when he put on flesh and walked among us, he wanted to, he wanted to let us know he's a hands-on. There's some beautiful, I, I could just spend some time just like getting my mind around that. Surprisingly personal. Now, in all these healings, as we said last week, these weren't just recorded just to, just so that people thought, oh, what a great, you know, magician Jesus was. It wasn't for, almost not even for the miracles themselves, but they were meant to be a sign. They were meant to be like a, a big neon pointing to this is the Messiah. And so these were, were recorded for a purpose that we would see too, that he had command over the universe, but he also had command over the physical human body and the spiritual realm. There was one point where John the Baptist, who, uh, remember John the Baptist, he was that kind of odd guy out in the wilderness baptizing people of repentance and people were coming out to him kind of before, you know, the, the, kind of the pre, pre, prequel to Jesus. Well, uh, you know, Jesus got baptized by him. It was some beautiful things. If you don't know the story, you can go back and read. But uh, there, there was a moment when... Um, Jesus kind of begins his ministry. Some of John's disciples actually kind of switch gears and go with Jesus. And there's a moment where John kind of falls out of favor with, uh, I think it's Herod. One of the Herods, several Herods in the Bible, one of them. And, uh, and he falls out of favor because I think Herod was doing some bad stuff with, I think, his brother's wife. It was a convoluted story. But John is put into prison. And at one point, John is hearing these reports about Jesus, and he's unsure. He's unsure about this because the Jews really felt like when Messiah comes, we're going to get our nation back. We're going to get our national Israel back, which if you think about it from biblical history, the nation of Israel was kind of done with Rehoboam. I mean, the kingdom split, then it was the northern tribes and the southern tribes. They haven't been, it's been a long time. So the Jews were kind of expecting some, some, some national leader. And, and so John is hearing these reports about Jesus hanging out with sinners and touching unclean people and uh, talking to women in public. John may be hearing some of these things and saying, I'm not sure, I'm not sure here. I thought you were the Messiah, but I'm... So... He sends some delegates, some disciples. You know, I guess they were helping him out in jail or whatever. They go to Jesus, and they're like, well, John wants to know, Jesus, are, are, you, are you actually the Messiah? Because you, you don't seem to be acting very Messiah-ish. And we prefer you kind of towed the party line a little bit more. You know, I, I think John is, is, is he's naturally curious. He wants to know. I mean, he's, he may be worried. That maybe, maybe, maybe he got it wrong. Maybe, maybe this isn't the Messiah. And And Jesus says, okay, I want you to go back to John, and here's the proof that I'm Messiah. And what does he do? He said, hey, go tell John. This is in Luke chapter 7, if you want to check me on this. Go tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy and skin diseases are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. And the good news is preached to the poor and the marginalized. That's the report that Jesus sends them back with. And that is kind of, I guess, in a sense, Jesus saying, this is the proof of, get this now, 
This is a proof of a new king and a new kind of kingdom that is very different than the empires of the world. And here begins Jesus using these words of new kingdom and new way to be human. You see, Jesus would do these healings. And sometimes uh, he would ask what people really wanted. There were times like, and you'd think it would be obvious. If someone's blind and, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? You'd think that'd be pretty obvious. Well, clearly I want to see. But he would ask the question, trying to get you to own it a little bit. What do you want? Because, again, we've said this before, right? If, if you were lame or you couldn't hear, you, if you were, had a, a disability of some sort, it would hamper your ability to, to make an income. Uh, maybe it would, would make, make it hard for you. Like, again, if skin disease means you couldn't do worship normally, you, you couldn't go and be with your family. Jesus would ask, do you want, what do you want from me? I think sometimes we need to be more clear with the Lord. What, what do we really want? And do we want him to really answer what we're asking for? These are, these are questions, right? Are we asking, and then are we prepared for him to, to deliver? And so Jesus would ask. And then sometimes Jesus would heal people who never asked. In fact, there's this particular moment, and it's hard for us to get our minds around. Do you remember the story of where there was four friends, and they had a, a friend that couldn't walk, he was paralyzed? And, uh, and, and, and it's kind of weird because our houses don't do this but in the first century, they would have roofs that had material on them, thatched roofs or whatever there might be. I don't really, I'm not an expert at it. But, but, but these four friends really wanted their, their friend to get healed and could walk again. So they, they kind of took the big action of climbing up on top of a roof that Jesus was teaching in, uh, houses, and they start dismantling the, the roof so they could lower their friend down. The friend never asked for healing. I mean, he was paralyzed. It's the other people that had faith, and Jesus commended them for that and healed the guy. I think it was on the Sabbath, but that's for another time. But anyway, he heals the guy from the faith of his friends. That's like a faith proxy. He healed them with the... And that makes me wonder, uh, who are you praying for? Are you praying for someone that... uh, Not even sure, number one, they want to be healed. Or not even sure about the whole church. Are you praying for someone right now in your life where you, where you could be their faith proxy? You could be, they don't even know what they need yet. And you're praying for them to, 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 to discover Jesus. You're praying for them to discover hope. You're praying for them to, 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 to have a, 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 a support system. You're praying for them right now. You could be that faith proxy for them. Who are you praying for in your life right now? Jesus came to bring a new kingdom. And, and he says the lame walk. Those who couldn't walk are now walking. Those who couldn't see, they can now see. Those who couldn't hear, they can now hear. Those who were imperfect have been made whole. Those who have been hurting have been healed. Starting to sound like the kingdom of heaven. It's come. Starting to sound a little bit like Revelation 21. No tears. See, Jesus was bringing a glimpse of a new kind of kingdom. He brought with him kingdom, and he's going around and kind of showing this is what, this is what the kingdom of, of heaven is like. And he, he even had parables about this. He would say the kingdom of heaven is like. He would do that often. And he would often say as he's walking around, he was teaching, he said, repent. That has changed directions. 
For the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, they're both used a bit interchangeably, the kingdom of heaven has come. He's bringing these glimpses of new heaven and new earth as he was healing. Sure sounds a bit like Revelation. He brought this new kingdom, this new way to be human, where where there was wholeness and and the miraculous is happening. And, And people who are poor and marginalized are given dignity. And women and children are given dignity. This is a new radical way to be human in a very patriarchal world. Jesus was giving them a glimpse of new heavens and new earth. It's it's probably why the disciples co-opted a phrase in the Greek language called euangelion, which was actually a phrase that the Romans would use to, to spread the news of a new Caesar. The euangelion was the news of a new king on the throne, and probably likely some changes will happen in the kingdom. The word is euangelion. And the New Testament writers and disciples co-opted that and said, no, actually, Jesus is the new king overall, and he's bringing with him a new kingdom. It's probably why the Jewish leadership was really frustrated that Pilate, in his audacity, would put on top of the cross a sign that says king of the Jews in three different languages. Pilate's an interesting guy, isn't he? Interesting character. I wonder what happened to Pilate and his wife after that. I wonder how game-changing meeting Jesus was. Interesting, huh? But the king has come. This is a new kingdom. He even told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, I'd be getting the fighters ready. But my kingdom is not of this world. This is a new kind of kingdom, a new way to be human. He's bringing this. And so when the disciples co-opted euangelion, they're saying we're announcing that a new king has come. And it's a new kingdom. And we're asking, do you want to join it? Do you want to join us in this new way to be human? I love what the Blue Letter Bible, it's a resource online if you haven't checked that out. It's got some helpful articles. But Blue Letter Bible said this about Jesus as our healer. Jesus is the ultimate creator, supplier, and healer who deeply cares for all humanity, sinner and righteous alike. When performing a variety of miracles, he, he gave us glimpses of what a new heaven and, and a new earth would look like. A place free of sin, brokenness, and death. Sounds a bit like Revelation 21.4. And Jesus invited those who believed in him as Lord and Savior to experience it firsthand. The stories that people probably told of their encounters with Jesus. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what they were saying to their family members about this radical new king, a new kingdom, and a new way to be human. My question for us today is, is what, if, what if Jesus does want to do something miraculous in your life? What if there's something that enough is enough? Jesus wants to do something miraculous for you. And again, I don't know what that is. It could be something with regard to yeah, your, your, your health or a relationship or a marriage. or I don't know what it is for you, but what if Jesus wants to do a miracle in your life? Do you believe he can? Do you believe that he's got the goods to deliver? Do you really think he's, he's big enough 
to handle the, the miracle that you, you might need. Is he big enough? There's one time, one of my favorite stories in Scripture, uh, it's Mark uh, chapter 9. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it. it. There's this moment where a father, a distraught father, has a child who uh, needs healing. A child who's hurting, struggling, and this father is just probably at his wit's end. Some of you have had children or grandchildren. You know how, how much it hurts when your child hurts. And it's just something unlike anything else. You just you, you want to fix it. And so often we can't. But here's a father bringing his child to Jesus. He's heard about this rabbi, and then he's thinking maybe there's a chance this, this rabbi Jesus guy could do something. And so this father brings this child to Jesus, needing, needing healing. And, 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 and this, this guy said, look, Jesus, he probably didn't know Jesus very well. Just like, you know, if you can, would, would you do something? Would you step in and do something miraculous? And I, listen to what Jesus says. This is in Mark chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. If you can, Jesus answered, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe that's your prayer in this whole miracle series. Maybe you need a little bit more uh, faith muscle. You need Jesus to help you with your faith muscle. I believe, but help my unbelief. Here's a guy right next to Jesus. And spoiler alert, he does heal the child, which I, I imagine was a beautiful thing. What a what a blessing. But in this moment, we see this father just being honest. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And, and maybe you have something you need to ask the Lord for. And maybe you ask him and then say, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me in those areas where I, I just don't trust you sometimes. If we're honest, we go through that. Do you know? Sometimes we look at the disciples, we think, well, they, they had it together. And we know they didn't. You know, the last thing that Jesus says with his disciples, in the end of Matthew, Matthew's gospel, they're, they're kind of on a high place, and Jesus is about to send to heaven, and his disciples are there, and the scriptures say they were there, and some doubted. Do you know you can be a disciple of Jesus and still have some doubts? It's okay. Lord, help my unbelief. Maybe that needs to be your prayer this week. Maybe before you can ask for the miracle, maybe you need to say, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Because here's the deal. You and I, when we can stay close to Jesus, then we can experience that healing touch, however that works. God can heal in all kinds of ways. He can provide that miracle in all kinds of ways. But, but when we stay close to him, we're, pro, we're in proximity to him, that allows us to have that healing touch. Remember, Jesus is pretty hands-on. He's a hands-on Savior. He wants you and I to stay close to him. And there's all kinds of ways we, we get close to Jesus. Prayer, scripture, meditation, sometimes just being quiet before the Lord, getting on your knees, raising your hands in prayer, uh, getting close to Jesus, because when we're close to him, he tends to like to bring a healing touch. Doesn't he? He tends to want, want to reach out and bring a healing touch. So stay close to him. Imagine a group of people like us, Christ followers in our community here that are embracing that healing touch because we're close to him and maybe we can be a blessing to our community. Maybe we can be a miracle for someone too because of all of what God's done for us, we can be a miracle for someone else. 
Staying close to him is the deal. I would encourage you to start tracking your prayers a little bit more. A couple of years ago, I, I, I found a, an entry in a journal, and I was praying for some good friends. Some of you know them. And, uh, and it looked like uh, cancer was going to be uh, the end of his life. And, uh, and I got a chance to have a meal with, with that family last weekend, and uh, Doc says cancer-free. And a pretty, now, uh, not out of the woods, but I'll take that. I'll take that. Track a little bit. I'm telling you, God is doing things all the time, and we're just not paying attention. And so, and I said this last week, let's, let's do a few things here. When we start tracking them, that would be good. And we stay close to Jesus so we can have his miraculous touch in our life. And I, I believe we need to start asking, asking for the miracle. Ask for it. Believe that he can deliver and trust him for the timing. I want us to be doing that more and more. And maybe this week, your prayer is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I want to pray with us here in a minute. But if you're here with us online or here in person, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never had that proximity to Jesus, he offers everything. By faith, you can take a next step. And if that's your decision today, we'd love to pray with you on that online as well. Uh, But the rest of us that have said yes to Jesus, maybe this is the, the time where we begin to ask big and bold. We stay close to Jesus and we actually have that miraculous touch in our lives. Let's pray. Father, you're good. You're powerful and you're mighty. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, help us to trust you on your timing, to, 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 to ask you, to talk with you, to, to ask for those bold things in our lives and believe that you can deliver. Father, help us to do that and stay close to, to your son Jesus as we journey through this life. Help us to be a, a group of people, a community of people that bless the world. Father, do your miraculous work through us and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.